If you will, please, and turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, and I know we've taken time for other important things tonight, and I'm not going to, I don't think I'm going to get you out any later than we would normally get you out on a Wednesday night. And uh, if you'll turn, if you'll turn fast and listen fast, I'll preach fast tonight, all right? And that sounds like a good deal. Romans chapter 12 in your Bibles this evening. And when you find your place, if your health permits you to, if you'll stand with us uh, tonight out of respect for the reading of God's Word. And we want to carry on with our our series that we've been in now called My Gift to God. And uh, we've migrated a little bit more into the gifts of the Spirit. And and, uh, so far we've covered prophecy and ministry. And we want to go on just a little bit further tonight. Now, some of you remember um, when we were going through the book of Revelation, and and, uh, if you uh, have read some of the the books that we put out, uh, John, in the book of Revelation, there's something called a parenthetical. And uh, and that means this, that while John is talking about some of the different judgments that are going on, all all of a sudden he'll insert uh, a parenthetical where he gives some information in between certain subjects. And that's really what tonight is. We, we talked about prophecy for about a week or a week and a half, and then we talked about the, the gift of ministry. But tonight we're going to insert a parenthetical, and we're not going to go, we're not going to talk about a gift tonight. We're just going to, we're going to talk about tonight what hindrances there may be to the gifts of the Spirit. And, and then, Lord willing, if the Lord wills it, we'll go right back into the gifts next week. And so you'll understand what I'm talking about when we get into it tonight. So Romans chapter 12, this just seems to be the way the Lord has led tonight. And look, if you will, at verse number 1. And he said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. And I'm excited about getting into those, uh, into those other gifts in the next few weeks, and I believe this is going to be a really good study for us. <clears throat> You'll notice <clears throat> that the Apostle Paul begins to, address those gifts in verse number 6. And that's what everybody's interested in. They're interested in the gifts. And there's a lot of controversy today about the gifts and a lot of different beliefs about the gifts. But I said what I said tonight because I, I think it's very important that we don't miss the first five verses that we read before we got to verse number 6. And I believe that the Apostle Paul mentions some things, if we're not careful, that can be a hindrance to those gifts. And I want to take just a few moments tonight and address some of those. We'll have to do it quickly, but I think we can do it uh, effectively tonight. So you may be seated tonight, and let's go to the Lord, ask the Lord to help us, and we'll jump right into the message tonight. Father, thank you for your blessings, and God, our hearts have been challenged. 
Lord, if we had the closing prayer and went home right now, it would have been well worth our time and effort to be here tonight. And God, it's good for us. It's good for us to have missionaries in. And Lord, to remind us, number one, of how blessed we are in America. But God, number two, of how, how great the need is in other parts of the world. And we've received that tonight. And so, Lord, it was, it was Lord, worth our time. Lord, we thank you for the music, the special singing, the fellowship, the shaking of hands. But, Lord, now as we take just a, a few moments to, to quickly get into your word, I pray now for a fresh anointing. And I pray that you'd, Lord, fill us and help us and teach us. And whether, and I know that most here tonight are hungry for the word, but whether we know it or not, we need the word tonight. And so I pray that you'd meet with us this evening. May Jesus, our Savior, receive the glory and the praise and the honor. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name and for his sake. Amen and amen. I really believe this, church. I believe in Romans chapter 12, as we read tonight, that the Apostle Paul is laying a foundation here in these preceding verses that we read before we come to the mentioning of the gifts of the Spirit. And as I said just a moment ago, so many are mesmerized by the gifts. But I believe that Paul is, is teaching a lesson here. And Paul is saying, let me show you some things before we begin to focus on the gifts of the Spirit. Let me show you some things that can serve as a hindrance to the gifts of the Spirit. And may I say tonight that it doesn't take much to cause a hindrance. Some of you remember the story that I told sometime back, and in fact, we put it in one of the books, I think the, the marriage book that we came out with. It was December the 9th, 1987, 10.43 in the morning. The stock market nosedived as it lost power. Now, they said that day that investors panicked and uh, that the outage kept 20 million shares from being traded that day. By the time the power came on, they had lost $7 million worth of trading at the stock market. Uh, you know, rumors begin to circulate and, uh, and people thought, you know what, this is terrorism or uh, somebody's plotting to upset the U.S. economy. When they finally found out what had happened, a little squirrel outside the building had found a shiny little piece of aluminum. He had scurried up one of the light poles out there and uh, that that piece of aluminum in that squirrel's mouth made contact with one of the power lines that supplied the power for the, the uh, stock market. The little squirrel did not do well, by the way. <clears throat> but anyway, and uh, that little piece of aluminum uh, caused the power uh, to go out and the stock market to crash just for a little while. Now, again, my point is that one small thing caused a major hindrance. I'm thankful I, 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 that I've never been there, and I, I hope I, I never get there, but some of you know very much about what I'm getting ready to talk about, and that's a kidney stone. And I know Brother Worst Pastor knows a whole lot about that. A kidney stone is something very small in size. In fact, sometimes they're, just, they're almost microscopic. But that little tiny kidney stone can cause great, and painful hindrances in bodily function. And most people who have ever had a kidney stone said, man, they wouldn't, worse that, or wouldn't wish that upon their worst enemy. Again, my point tonight is this, that something very, very small can cause a major 
hindrance. Now I'm going to skip and get right into the message tonight. And I'm going to give you four thoughts real quickly, if I could, four things that can cause a hindrance to the gifts of the Spirit. Just for the sake of learning, I'm going to letter them all with the letter P. And you can jot these down in the margin of your Bible if you want to. But several things that cause hindrances to receiving the gifts of the Spirit. The first word is the word paucity. Paucity. Now that's just a, that's just a, a fancy word that literally means this. It means a lack of something. A lack of something. And in this specific case, I'm talking about a lack of yieldedness. Now I want you to look back at our scripture tonight, Romans chapter 12 and verse number one, and notice what the apostle Paul says. As he's getting ready to unveil the gifts of the Spirit, and he's getting ready to, to talk to, the, to these people about the gifts of the Spirit, he says in verse number one, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, here it is, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That word present or present there, that literally means to yield, to yield. Ask a question. Have you yielded your life to Christ tonight? Have you presented your life to Christ tonight? Some folks want to be filled with the Spirit of God, but you know what? They'll never be filled with the Spirit of God until they empty themselves of self. And some people are so full of self that they'll never be full of the Spirit of God. And so we're to yield ourselves to the will of the Lord and the Holy Spirit. Scripture uses the word present. We in our American language also use that word in another way. We call it present. Uh, we give presents away. Somebody, uh, something that we, we gladly give. When you give somebody a present, uh, you don't make them pay for it. If you make them pay for it, it's not a present. Uh, it's, a, it's not something they have to work for. It's something that you gladly offer to them. You're giving it to them as a present, an anniversary present, a birthday present, a Christmas present. Now, I just said that to say this. Did you know that we as Christians have to be very careful that we offer our lives as a present to the Heavenly Father? Uh, Lord, I'm yielding myself to you. I'm giving my life to you, my mind to you, my mouth to you, my hands to you. I'm yielding myself to you. The songwriter said it like this, have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I'm the clay. He said, mold me and make me after thy will while I am waiting, here it is, yielded and still. And this is all I'm saying, tonight. this is so simple tonight, this is all I'm saying. Don't expect for God to give you great gifts of the Spirit if you're not yielding your life constantly and consistently to Him. Do you know that every single day we ought to yield our lives to the Lord? Man, one of the very first things that I try to do in the morning, I mean, first thing in the morning is I just try to start the day out by yielding myself to the will of the Lord and yielding myself to the Holy Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit to control me. How, oh, listen, how many know that if, you don't, if you're not careful, your mind will give you a fit? And I want the Holy Spirit to control my mind. How many know that if you're not careful, your mouth will give you a fit? And I have to yield myself and say, Holy Spirit, control my mouth and control my mind and control my thoughts and, and control my actions and give me direction. But a lot of folks aren't yielded. And because they're not yielded, they're not filled with the Spirit of God. The second hindrance is the word partnership. Or in other words, becoming close partners with the world. Look, if you will, at Romans chapter 12, verse number two. And Paul says, not only are you to present your bodies 
a living sacrifice. But in verse number two, he says, and be not conformed to this world. He said, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The word conform there means to conform to another's pattern. And, uh, and uh, I said that to say this, the more that you and I conform to the world, the less we can expect to be used by God. Did you know that we're not to be partners with this world? In fact, we're to be peculiar to this world. The Bible tells us in Titus chapter 2, verse number 14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, a peculiar people zealous of good work. The word peculiar there is the Greek word preosius, and it means beyond being usual. It means special. In other words, if you're really spirit-filled, you know what? I'm not talking about being weird either. A lot of folks like to label Christians. Christians are not supposed to be weird. Christians are supposed to be the sharpest people on the block. Amen. I believe you ought to have the cleanest house, the best mowed yard, cleanest car. You ought to be the hardest worker. We covered that Sunday night. I'm not going to go there tonight. But I'm just saying, when I say peculiar, and when the Bible says peculiar, it's not talking about weird. But we are to stand out in this world. And we're, you know what? We're not to conform to the image of this world. I was thinking about peculiar. And when I thought about that term peculiar, I thought about my wife. Amen. <laughs> and... Uh, I'll make it better later tonight, all right? No, but I was, I, but I was. I thought about a story. I thought about a story. And, uh, and uh, now her mom and dad brought her up right. And we got married and went on vacation. We had, uh, I, I, th- I think we had all three kids. I think, I think Sam, uh, Zach and uh, Samuel and Hannah were all born, I believe. And we were on vacation. And we went to a restaurant, and this restaurant was coming around pouring drinks and serving drinks. And they were getting ready to pour alcohol in my wife's glass. They didn't ask. They were just going to pour alcohol in her glass. We're just conversing, talking, fellowshipping as a family, having a good old time. And, uh, and all of a sudden when my wife realized that the waiter was in front of our table and he was getting ready to pour alcohol in her glass, it was like instantaneously like a bullet shot out of a gun. I mean, it was like, I've never seen, I've never seen a karate chop that fast. I mean, but instantaneously her hand shot out. I mean, and she covered the top of her glass just as he was getting ready to pour. And uh, I mean, he almost poured it on her hand. And he looked at her like, you're peculiar. Now, wait a minute now. You know what? Truth matter is, we are to be peculiar. We're to, we're to stand out to this world. We're not to be the same. We're, we're not to, you know, a lot, and a lot of churches, a lot of preachers are preaching that, that you know what, we're just supposed to, supposed to blend in. Listen, I don't know what Bible you got that out of. Uh, we're to be different. We're to be holy. We're to be separated. And we're to be a peculiar people. And uh, now don't, this is what I'm saying, don't expect to conform to the world and be blessed with the gifts of the Spirit. Now think about it like this. If you have a child, many of you have children at home. If you have a child that just conforms to your wishes as a parent, you say, all right, you sit your kids down. You say, now listen, guys, we've got some rules. These are our rules. And you've got a child that conforms to that. They do so willingly. 
They don't protest. They, they even obey your rules happily. Did you know that you'll go out of your way to be a blessing to that child? They may not always understand everything you're doing. They may not always understand the rules that you're implementing, but you say, this is what we do. Yes, sir. May not understand it, but okay, okay, dad. All right, dad, you said be home. I'm gonna be home. You said be home at a certain time. I'm gonna be home. And they don't gripe and complain. And uh, uh, you know what? They're not rebellious. They don't have a bad attitude. Now, wait a minute now. Did you know that you, and this is true, this is true, kids, your parents will bend over backward to try to be a blessing to you. But at the same time, if you've got a kid in your home and you say, listen, these are our rules and these are our guidelines and they're constantly bucking, constantly rebelling, constantly complaining, I don't see why I've got to do it. I don't see why we've got to do this. I, I don't understand. My friends, and just constantly going against you, you know what? You're going to be a lot more reluctant to be a blessing to that child. By, by the way, do you know God's the same way? And God says, I've got gifts I want to give you and, and man, wonderful gifts and I want to give you wonderful rewards. And, I, and you know what? Our Heavenly Father is looking for children who will say, Lord, I don't always understand it. I don't know exactly why this is the rule, but it, it is the rule. And so God, I'm willing to do it and I'm going to yield myself to you. And, uh, and, 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 and Lord, if that's what you want me to do, that's what I'll do. If that's the way you want me to talk, that's the way I'll talk. If that's where, the way you want me to dress, that's the way I'll dress. Uh, Lord, if you want me to go to church, I'll go to church. Listen, if you're, if you won't conform to the world, but if you'll conform to the image of God and the image of Christ, you know what? God is a lot more apt to give you the gifts of the Spirit. All right, amen. Let's go a little further. Not only paucity and partnership, but oh, this next one's a big one. How about this? Number three is pride. Now look back at our scripture again. Romans chapter 12 and verse number three. The Bible said, Paul said, for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, here it is, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Listen, if you want something that'll kill a church or kill your Christian life or, or keep you from receiving the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it's pride, it's pride. Now, I want to show you tonight, if I could, just real quickly. We'll do this quickly. But I want to show you an Old Testament illustration of this New Testament truth that I'm trying to teach you tonight. I want you to turn over it with me, if you will, to Genesis chapter 24. Genesis chapter 24. We're talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And in Genesis chapter 24, we find a great representation of what I'm talking to you about tonight. Genesis chapter 24. And this is the story of Abraham. Abraham is well up in age, and, and he has a son. His son's name is Isaac, and Isaac needs a bride. And the Bible says that Abraham comes to his, to his servant, and he says to his servant, Servant, I don't want to, Isaac to, to choose a bride in this land that we're in, but I want you to travel back to my homeland, and I want you to find a bride for my son. And uh, now that's, that's the story here. Now look, if you will, at Genesis chapter 24 and verse number 10. And we notice here that Abraham does something very noteworthy. We notice that he gives gifts to the servant so that he might be able to win a bride for Isaac. Look at verse number 10. The Bible says in Genesis 24, 10, and the servant took 10 camels of the camels of his master 
and departed. I love this next line. For all the goods of his master were in his hand. Now skip down to verse number 12. And look what the Bible says. Here's the servant. He's in this far land. And he's, he prays a prayer. Verse number 12. And he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. Behold, I stand here by the well of water and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water and let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink. And she shall say, drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac. And thereby shall I know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master, and it came to pass. Before you done speaking, that behold, Rebekah came out, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, with her pitcher upon her shoulder. And the damsel, oh yeah, the damsel was very fair to look upon. She's beautiful. The Bible says she's very fair uh, to look upon. And uh, uh, let me find my place here. Yeah, and a virgin, the Bible says, "Neither neither had any man known her. And she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. And she said, Drink, my Lord. And she hasted and let down her pitcher upon her hand and gave him drink. And when she had done giving him drink, she said, Oh, here it is. This is what he prayed. She said, I'll draw water for thy camels also until they have done drinking. Verse 20. And she hasted. And emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again under the well to draw water. She was go get her and drew and drew for all his camels. Oh, here we go. And the man wondering at her held his peace to wit whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. Verse 22, I've got it highlighted. And it came to pass as the camels had done drinking that the man took a golden earring of a half a shekel weight and two bracelets for her hands of 10 shekels weight of gold. In other words, brother, God answered his prayer and she did exactly what he had prayed about. When she came back out, the Bible says he pulled that earring out of his pocket or out of his purse there, his, his bag, and he gave that earring to Rebecca. And then he took those bracelets and he put those bracelets on her arm. Now, one scholar said that earring was a half a shekel weight. That earring was worth about $100 and those bracelets were worth about $2,000. Now, you know what? A way to a woman's heart is jewelry. Amen. Somebody said a diamond's a woman's best friend. I don't know about that, but I know one thing. He knew what he was doing. Amen. And by the way, he got her attention. You read the rest of the chapter, and boy, she ran down to her family's house. She said, Daddy, look, Daddy, look, Daddy, look, you know. And boy, she's showing off that gold, showing off that bling. Amen. That's right. And uh, now, wait a minute now. And by the way, by the way, by the way, you know what the servant was saying when he put those bracelets on her arms and that earring on? You know what he was saying? There's more where that came from. This is just a down payment. This is just, this is just the beginning. Now, this is my point tonight. Did you know that Abraham's servant had gifts to present? Not because he was great, but because his master was great. When he came down and presented those gifts, he didn't say, look what I got. He said, I want to give you something from my master. And man, you ain't seen anything yet. I mean, this, you wouldn't believe how rich he is. Those gifts were not so he could show off, 
Those gifts were not so he could show how rich he was. No, sir. Those gifts were for the purpose of winning a bride for Isaac. And this is what I'm saying tonight. Did you know that when God gives you spiritual gifts, he doesn't give us those gifts so we can show off? So we can come in the church and show how good a preacher. Well, let me show you how good a preacher I am. Listen, pride go up before fall. You know what? Did you know that God gives you the gifts that he gives you so you can help win a bride for Christ? And so that you can glorify your master. You know what? Man, when we go out with the gifts of the Spirit, we don't go out to show off to the world. We go out and say, man, my master's got it all. I mean, man, he owns a cattle on a thousand hill, and he's blessed me and blessed me and blessed me, and he can bless you as well. And so pride, pride. But let me give you this last thing, and I'm going to let you go. Number four, but don't, don't turn me off yet. Number four is the word puzzlement. Puzzlement, which, which simply means confusion or uncertainty. Now, I know I had you turn to Genesis, but I want you to turn back to Romans chapter 12 because I want you to see this verse. In Romans chapter 12, and look, if you will, please, at verse number 5 and verse number 6, and notice how the apostle Paul challenges these people. Romans chapter 12, verse 5, he said, So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another. Here it is, verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, and it goes all throughout the gifts. And this is my point tonight. Did you know that thinking that your gift ought to be the same as someone else's gift can be a huge hindrance in your Christian life? It used to bother me earlier on in my ministry. It used to bother me because I, 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 had, I saw other preachers and they had they just like they preached out all the time. And every preacher's worth his salt wants to preach. And I, sometimes I thought, Lord, why am I not preaching out as much as some of those other men? I, you younger preachers, I learned a little something. When I quit worrying about that, I started getting more invitations. But also, I learned something else. It finally dawned on me, my gift's not the same as Jack Howells. Man, I love Brother Howells. He's my pastor. Man, great preacher. Preached all over the nation. Preached every week. But my gift is not the same as Jack Howells. I love to listen to Adrian Rogers. Nobody teaches the Bible like Adrian Rogers. I mean, every time I listen to him, uh, uh, Hannah will say, Dad, I listen to Adrian Rogers. It was a good one. I said, honey, I've never heard a bad one. I mean, every time, they're great every time. But wait a minute now, my gift, not, my gift is not the same as Adrian Rogers. My gift tonight is not the same as a Lee Robertson. You know what? I don't have the same gift. And I said that to say this, quit beating yourself up because you don't have the same gift as another person. You're not supposed to have the same gift as another person. Our gifts clearly are different. They're different. Now think about this. The human body is made up of different and various members. And it's important we understand that. The Bible says so there'll be no schism. That word schism means division. Now we're almost done, but I want to show you that scripture real quick tonight. I want you to take your Bibles, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and look with me, if you will, at verse number, uh, verse number 12. We're on, listen, the wheels are getting ready to be on the runway here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 
And verse number 12. Now, church, don't miss this because if you miss what I'm getting ready to read, you're going to miss a great blessing. Verse number 12, the Bible says, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one, are one body, so also is Christ. Verse 13. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. Watch closely. If the foot shall say, uh, if shall, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body. <laughs> is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? I've got this highlighted or, or emboldened. If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lack, that there should be no schism. In the body, no division. Hey, why is there so much division in churches? Because folks aren't getting this down. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another, and whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or when one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now are ye, ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. That's all I'm saying. You know what? Every one of us have a different gift. And so don't be envious of someone else's gift. You just let God cultivate your gift. And if somebody's got a gift that they're using and they're using it effectively, rejoice with them about that. And uh, man, there are some guys, and I'm, I'm still learning and I want to do better, but there's some guys that have that gift of prophecy who can preach circles around me. But hallelujah, I need them. I need those guys. I need some guys that can just, man, just preach to me and encourage me and help me. And uh, there's other people that are more talented in other areas than you are. Man, praise God. Don't be jealous. Say, man, praise the Lord. I'm so, glad, I'm so glad that God has blessed them with that gift that there should be no schism in the church. And did you notice what the Bible says there? That actually the less notable parts sometimes have the more important roles. It's true, isn't it? That little person in the church that nobody notices, but God's given them a gift, and they use that gift faithfully. You know what? If they didn't use that gift, our church wouldn't be the church it is. I'm going to tell you something, church. A church is not built on a pastor. And a church, I'm talking about the right kind of church, the right kind of church is not built on one person. It's not built on a deacon board. It's not built on a song leader. It's not built on one Sunday school teacher. It's not built on one talented musician or one talented choir member. Those less notable body parts sometimes are the ones that have very important roles. I'm ashamed of this illustration. But I, I learned that point 
in a big way years ago. When I first got married, you asked my wife, when I first got married, I had a temper and a half, man. I mean, I did. I still have one if I don't control it. And, uh, but I just, you know, I just grew up, teenager, man. I mean, I had a very short fuse. And I'm talking about throwing things, hitting things. I mean, and I remember one time my dad had left and went to work. And he told me, he said, son, I want you to mow the yard. Now, my dad now, my dad has got John Deere. Everything's John Deere, zero turn. I mean, it's, you know, and I'm thinking, Dad, where was all this equipment when I was at the house, you know? And, uh, but anyway, anyway, you know, we had, we had an old snapper, old snapper that went about one mile an hour, you know, and, and, uh, and, and only went one mile an hour when it ran, which, is, which was very, uh, you know, very seldom. And, uh, and then Dad had one of these old push lawnmowers. Let me tell you how old it was. You could turn the handle either way and it'd mow. I mean, it didn't matter. And, and it was heavy. I think it wasn't like one of these ropers you go down here and buy. I mean, brother, that thing weighed about 100 pounds. I'm talking about a push lawnmower. But it wouldn't crank. Whenever I was mowing, it wouldn't crank. Dad said, I want you to mow the yard. I haven't mowed one when I get home. He said, you get that yard mowed before you go to work. Yes, sir. I went out there, man, I was late, you know. I didn't have much time, and I was out there trying to crank that push lawnmower, and I'd pull that thing, and, and I'd pull it, and man, it just, you know, wouldn't do anything, wouldn't hit a lick. Man, I'd pull that thing, pull that thing, pull that. I know y'all have never been there, so y'all pray for the rest of us, amen. And, uh, I mean, I was about to pull the rope out of that thing, and I already, listen, I, it was time to go to the dairy farm. I had the milk, and I already had my rubber boots on, everything. And I pulled that thing, and it wouldn't crank, and it wouldn't crank. And then finally, I just got so mad. I said, you stupid. And man, I took, and I kicked that lawnmower. Amen. That lawnmower weighed weigh 50 pounds. That lawnmower weighed about 200 pounds. I mean, it was heavy. Well, when I kicked that lawnmower, you know what? The lawnmower didn't even say, ouch. <laughs> but when I kicked that lawnmower, I broke my big toe. I broke my big toe. Now, you know what? Most people don't want people to see their feet. And then a lot of other people don't want to see feet. And this is what I'm saying. Usually, the big toe is not what people rave over. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, look at my hair. Oh, but people never say, look at my big toe. I mean, they never do that. Most people, <laughs> with the exception of your family, will never see your big toe. It's hidden. Thank the Lord. Amen. It's hidden. It's one of those hidden members that nobody ever pays any attention to, and you never pay attention to it till you need it. And when I broke my big toe, I realized that big toe was more important than I thought it was. Did it just your big toe that helps you balance? Is your big toe that helps you have stability? Did you know when you break your big toe like an idiot like that, that you can't hardly walk? Man, for the next few weeks, I mean, I hobbled around. And you know why? I broke that big toe. This is, my, this is my point tonight. Did you know those members of the body in our churches that sometimes seem so insignificant? Somebody says, preacher, I'd sing in the choir, but I'm not going to make that big of a difference. Are you kidding? Or preacher, I, I mean, I'd come to visitation, but I probably would be. I, I'd get here late, wouldn't be able to make one visit. One visit. Amen. 
I, I mean, preacher, I, I would do this or I would do that, but you know what? What's my little bit going to amount to? Hey, one small member who says, Lord, I ain't got any talent, but I'll tell you what I will do. I'll just give myself to you. And Lord, if you can use me, I'm here. Oh, I'm going to tell you something. The great God of the universe can reach down and do wonderful, wonderful things with your life. Isn't, that, isn't God good? Amen. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, thank you so much for this time we've had together tonight. And God, I thank you that you have put this body together. We're all different. We've all got different gifts. We're not the same. We're not supposed to be the same. Lord, I pray tonight, though, that you'd give us some church members at Calvary Baptist Church who maybe don't even know what their gift is yet, but maybe they would come and just say, Lord, I'm yielding my life to you. I don't even know what my gift is, Lord, but I'll tell you what I will do. I'm just going to give myself to you. I'm just going to yield. I'm just going to present my body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, and I want you to use me. Father, we're, we're, we'll not, unless you, unless you want us to, we'll not prolong the invitation. But I do feel like we ought to have at least a stanza. And maybe tonight somebody would just step out and come and say, Lord, would you use me? I'm so, I'm insignificant. God, I don't have a great personality. I'm not a, I'm, I don't know how to carry on a conversation real good. I, I can't play an instrument maybe, but, but Lord, would you take what I've got? Would you use me somehow? Have thy way in the invitation, please. And we thank you in Jesus' name. And our heads are bowed. Let's all stand tonight. If you would, please, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If God spoke to your heart while the pianist plays, why don't you just tiptoe down here tonight and just say, Lord, I'm yielding myself to you. I don't know how you can use me. I don't know what you can do with me, but I'm yielding myself to you. And I want you to, Lord, would you see fit just to put your hand on me? Use me. Use me to be a witness. Use me in the body. With heads bowed and eyes closed. If you need to come, the altar is open tonight. Folks are coming. We're going to just pause a moment and give folks an opportunity to do business with Jesus tonight.